On last week's Let's Get Real podcast, I defined for us the term worldview based on James Sire's book, The Universe Next Door. I also showed how every one of us, every single one of us has a worldview that tells a story about how you and I see reality. On our show today, I would like to share with you the essentials of the Christian worldview. The reason is because not many Christians, let alone happy pagans, really understand nor embrace the historical Christian worldview. So let's get real and talk about the essentials of the Christian worldview. And you are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. Thank you for tuning in this week. You know, last week I shared with you about the definition of a worldview based on James Hire's book and the fact that it's a worldview basically that determines how we look at things. And I, I think I also laid out for you, and I'll lay out for you more this week on the questions. I think I mentioned five questions last week where we talked about origin, meaning, morality, destiny, and being. And I want to lay those out a little bit more because the Christian worldview, I believe, really lays out the best explanation, if you will, on reality as a whole and answers the questions a whole lot better than, say, the Islamic worldview, the Jewish worldview, the Buddhist or Hindu worldview, or any other worldview that's out there, including secularism. Now, again, a worldview is a set of beliefs used to understand the world around us. And everyone, as I shared with you last week, has a worldview. And everyone has a set of principles that help them determine things like judging right from wrong and which guide them in everyday living. You stop at a red light but and you go at green. Uh, you you leave a tip with the waiter or the waitress. You try and color coordinate your clothes. You voice your order for food to a speaker box while sitting in your car. You even cast a vote for a political leader. Why why do you do those things? Well, it's because you and I are accustomed accustomed to doing them in a manner that is consistent. With, the, with what and the way you believe what you believe. In other words, you behave according to your worldview. Now, your worldview forms the basis of how you interpret reality, and your worldview is basically a lens through which you look at the world. Your worldview, it shapes moral opinions. It affects what you believe about God, about marriage, about politics, about social structures, environmental concerns, educational requirements, economics, raising children, what kind of foods to eat, and on and on and on and on. And with the tectonic shifts that we're experiencing today, it is very important for Christians to have a historical, biblical worldview. And that's what I want to lay out for us today. It affects everything because all of which is around you and I today, all of that you interact with must be interpreted. And we're seeing different interpretations today. And, and it must be understood in light of your worldview. Now, when you talk about the worldview, according to the Barna Research Group, uh, Barna is the Christian pollsters out there that talk about, you know, who believes what and how much, how many people believe such and such about basically the Christian worldview in essence. According to the Barna Research Group, 
about half of all adults, it's about 54%, claim that they make their moral choices on the basis of specific principles or standards in which they believe. Uh, other common means of making moral choices include doing whatever feels right or whatever feels comfortable. That was 24%, according to Barna. Doing whatever makes most people makes most of the people happy or causes the least amount of conflict. That was 9%. And pursuing whatever produces the most positive outcomes for the person. That was 7%. Now, why the difference in results? Well, people have different worldviews. And different opinions about God, man, purpose, life, right, wrong, being, and, and even destiny. Now, there are some philosophical questions that everybody answers in one way, shape, or form. And these are some of the basic philosophical questions that everyone even wonders about. Generally speaking, uh, it, is, it is the answers to what I want to share with us here, the, the following set of questions that guide how the next set of questions are answered. So first, I want to think about these right here. Let's think about these philosophical worldview questions for a moment. Now, I mentioned these last week, I think, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper with these this week. Where do we come from? That's the question of origin. Meaning, why are we here? What is the purpose for our existence? What is the, where do we go to find meaning and purpose in life? What is it that brings meaning and purpose in life? Uh, is there a God and what does he want? And of course, that's the question of purpose and relationship. What happens to us after we die? Of course, you know, the Christian worldview and even the secular worldview, whether they want to admit it or not, the ancient secular writers believed in, a, in an immortal soul. But not all worldviews teach this. But the question still remains for us. What happens after you and I die? And did we evolve or were we uniquely created? Uh, is morality absolute or subjective? You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of debate on some of the, the answers to these questions. And answering these questions forms the basic elements of yours and my worldview. Once these are answered, you're able to better form answers to the next set of questions, those that questions that are raised of society. Uh, for example, do you think homosexuality is a sin or an alternative lifestyle? Is abortion wrong or is it a, a woman's right? Should capital punishment be allowed or abolished? Where should and more energy be directed, protecting the seals and whales or cutting down trees and to build homes? Should people be drafted into the military? Would you vote Republican, Democrat, nonpartisan, or something else, or not at all? Do you think democracy is better, say, than socialism or communism, or Marxism for that matter, which are kissing cousins? Should prostitution be legitimate? be a legitimate business practice? Should we legalize marijuana? And of course, some some states today have already answered that question for us, haven't they? And should marriage be defined as occurring between a man and one man and one woman? And let me bring in another one since the tectonic shifts. How do you see a human being? Do you see them in, in light of the color of their skin? Or do you see them as created in the image and likeness of the God that created them. 
I'll tell you right now, with where we stand, we see people, no matter the color of their skin, as people who are uniquely created in the image and likeness of God, that the Bible does not preach race. It preaches ta-ethne, which is ethnicities, but that's another show. So, a worldview affects the behavior and beliefs. And of course, you behave according to what you believe and not what you don't believe. I can recall having conversations with atheists who say that they have a lack of belief, but they don't believe or they disbelieve in God. They, they lack a belief. This is what they're saying. But they believe that they have a lack of belief. So um, when I defend the Bible as being true or the Christian God as being uh, real, or the only God, they're quick to attack my arguments in order to disprove God's existence. So I tell them that they are behaving according to what they believe, not because what they don't believe. And of course, it is inconsistent to say that you lack belief in something and then behave as though you deny the existence of that something. And without admitting it, their worldview didn't lack a belief of God. It only denied um, that, that, that only denied that they believed God, uh, believed in a God. See, there's no getting around this whole thing. Different worldviews affect behavior, whether or not someone is aware of it or not. Since I've already mentioned atheism, let's take a look at the perspective for a moment. How would an atheist answer the philosophical questions of how did we get here? An atheist would probably say we evolved from lower primates. Of course, it's not provable. Of course, he would deny that God exists, and he would probably say that after we die, we cease to exist. Since there is no absolute God, morals would not also be absolute. Instead, they would be based on personal preference or whatever works for society. Now, a Christian, on the other hand, would answer the questions differently. And now, a Christian would also say that God created us in his image and his likeness and put us in the world with a purpose. The purpose is to bring glory to God and exercise proper and responsible dominion over creation. A Christian would say that when we die, we either end up in a place known as heaven or hell, you know, for accepting Christ or rejecting him, and respectively. Or, of course, a Christian would also deny that we have arrived by evolution, or at least they should, via evolution, and would also deny that morals are subjective. Of course, the Christian worldview believes that objective morals do exist, and that's part, one of the basic arguments for the existence of God, known as the moral law. So, what are the essential elements what are the essential elements of the Christian worldview? Well, this is what we're going to get, get into now. Christianity teaches a set of beliefs that form the basics of our worldview. Let me share with you some elements that make up the Christian worldview. This is where we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the, of the whole thing. First off, we believe that an absolute God exists. If an absolute God exists, then it means that God is self-sufficient, lacking nothing, if God is self-sufficient, then he needs no external cause. He's uncaused. He's uh, spaceless, timeless, immaterial, unchanging. Um, he is 
uh, moral, and he is loving, just, and and uncaused. Now, this would mean all of those things that he is eternal, meaning that their eternal does not something eternal does not change, because eternal time changes. That's the word ternos in Latin. Eternity means no time. And God is eternal, meaning he is, his essence is eternal, meaning he's not in time. He dips into time as far as miracles are concerned. We can talk about that a little bit later. God, secondly, God created the universe. And if God created the universe, then he is powerful. Since it is obviously, since it obviously takes a great deal of power to create the universe as we know it, this would mean that God is separate from the universe. In other words, he's transcendent and not a part of the created order. From the previous point that God exists, we, uh, we see that God is absolute un- and unchanging. We could see that God's nature would be also reflected in the created order. Take, for example, the illustration of a painter. A painter leaves part of himself on the canvas whenever he goes and creates something. So God reveals himself in creation. Creation is therefore ordered, predictable, dependable. And this would mean that when Christians look into creation, we would expect to find predictable, regular, and a testable world. You know, science is not an enemy to faith by any means. Thirdly, man, and this is very important today with the cultural tectonic shifts of, of the racial issues that we're experiencing today, the Christian worldview teaches that man is created in God's image. And that means that God who was rational and intelligent, has impressed his image upon the hearts and souls of human beings. Every human being, white, yellow, black, green, chartreuse, it does not matter. The Bible does not preach race, as I mentioned earlier. The Bible preaches ethnicity. And all this racism stuff is basically committing the appeal to authority and taking something that is just totally not solvable. So just cut it out. And if you're supporting it, you're not embracing a biblical worldview. You're not addressing the issue as with a biblical lens or a biblical worldview. People can be rational and turn their attention towards a world, and since they believe that the universe reflects God's creative nature, they can have confidence and look into creation and expect order not chaos. They can also expect that which, that since we are created in God's image, we have the ability to unlock the secrets of the universe. Another thought here with this, speaking to this whole issue, and another element of the Christian worldview, is that if man is created in God's image, then all people are worthy of respect and honor. This would also mean that when a new life is formed in the womb, it is human from the time of conception. And abortion would be wrong. Furthermore, we're created in God's image, and when we did not, since we did not involve from lower primates, uh, this would mean that we have purpose and are not merely the result of random development through evolution that is supposedly guided by natural selection. Now, natural selection works on a theory of the survival of the fittest, which is an evolutionary term. 
And this could have very harmful effects to society if, if we operated just solely on a survival of the fittest and if this is transferred into a moral principle. You can look at the survival of the fittest as far as the fact that, number one, it is Marxist to the core. It is not biblical, number two. Now, we adapt, but that is not survival of the fittest. We adapt to our environment, but that is not survival of the fittest. It would justify, so the, the concept of survival of the fittest would justify oppressing the weak and the helpless. Another element of the Christian worldview is man has been given dominion over, create, over the creation by God. He's given us dominion. This means that all aspects of the created order on earth are to be governed by man according to how God has revealed himself and his will for us in the Bible. Therefore, politics, medicine, art, ecology, society, economics, exploration, and philosophy, mathematics, education, and etc. all fall under the domain of human responsibility and should be considered realms for man to control under the wisdom and direction of the God of, of the God who gave those disciplines to us and under his revelation, which is the Bible. And I'll speak more to that in just a moment. The problem, though, is another element of the Christian worldview and the fact that man is a fallen creature. The fall of man through our ancient father Adam tells us that at the heart of every one of us is a predisposition towards sin. Sin is our nature and sin is rebellion against God. We want our way. We, we, want things, we want to do things our own way and not necessarily according to God's moral law. And therefore, it is a rebellion against that which is good. Sin not only affects man's soul and body, but it also affects his mind. Therefore, the Christian worldview would say that even man's best reasoning is touched by sin and cannot be perfect. Furthermore, since man is sinful and his heart's intentions are predisposed towards wickedness, we can conclude that those in power are highly susceptible to corruption. Therefore, governmental systems should be developed with a Christian principle in mind to help guard against corruption. In fact, Christianity influenced the development of the Constitution of an American uh, government and even the Declaration of Independence. And our founding fathers developed the judicial, executive, and legislative branches of the, of the government in which there are to exercise a system of checks and balances over each other. Why is that? And that is because of the fall of man. Man has a tendency to gravitate toward corruption. Next element here is the fact that Jesus is mankind's only hope for, hope for redemption. Because man has fallen, he is in need of rescue from God's righteous condemnation, which is his wrath and eternal damnation. Also, he has fallen. There is no way that he can redeem himself. Therefore, Jesus, who is God in human flesh, died for us and rose on the third day, according to the scriptures, from the dead. And we receive his righteousness and his forgiveness by faith. This Basic theological truth means that Christians should then preach that good news of redemption in Christ to all the world. 
And therefore, one of the most basic Christian principles, one of the most basic Christian principles is promoting Jesus as the means in which we are made right with our Creator, God. And the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God. Of course, I have already mentioned the Bible. and The Bible is inspired. It's without error. Um, it is sufficient. It is protected by the Holy Spirit. And it is the Word of God. The Bible, uh, you know, tells us the, you know, the truths that help us govern our lives. It is from the Bible that we learn about God himself, his created order, uh, that he's triune, redemption, uh, from sin, salvation, hope, and what is even morally correct. The Bible also reveals the will of God for mankind, for family, for raising children, and for proper behavior in society. It is from the Bible that you and I can learn the direct will of God and provide. God also provides for his creation. It is from the Bible that we learn of God's loving provision. We also know that God lets the sun and the rain fall upon the good and the bad. We know that God causes crops to grow and cattle to multiply. We know that we live in a fallen world because we look all around us so we can see what's going on. God has promised that he'll never leave us or forsake us, and therefore we can rely on God's provision for us, and we should have confidence that he will, uh, he will continue to provide for us and for our needs. So you can see that these are the basic principles of the Christian worldview. And, of course, um, the Christian perspective on truth and how it influences Christians' beliefs and actions, or at least how it should influence our beliefs and our actions. Now, what is a Christian worldview and why do we need one? You know, our society is going sideways, and a worldview is a set of presuppositions and beliefs that someone uses to interpret uh, and form opinions about his humanity, his purpose of life, his duties in the world, and responsibilities to family, interpretation of truth, and social issues. And a Christian should view all these things and more, guided by the light that is shed upon them from the Bible. The Bible has much to say about man's nature and the world and purpose and truth and morality, and so does the world. More often than not, the secular worldview is in conflict with the biblical one, as we can see today. For example, where the world asserts that man has evolved, the Bible says that he was created. The Bible says that man was created ultimately responsible to God. Where the world says that morals are relative, the Bible says that they're absolutes. Where the world says that there is no need for salvation and redemption, the Bible clearly states that all people are in need of deliverance, and the contrast is obvious and profound. Both cannot be true. The secular worldview exalts man to the apex of evolutionary development, the sovereign over all he dominates, though only just another animal. God is relegated to the belief systems of the uneducated and the superstitious, supposing and, and such opposing worldviews. They all clash. Folks, we are seeing the fruit of the secular worldview, and we can see it all around us today. And as we observe society as it's totally crumbling, it is, it is not evolving very well. You know, not many of us have televisions, but those of us that we see on the Internet 
has degenerated into a bordello of violence, soft porn, hard porn, anti-family sitcoms, commercials that all appeal to the immediate gratification and senselessness. And of course, children's cartoons are full of violence, occultism, disobedient to parents, and it often portrays pastors as idiots, psychotics, priests of pedophiles, and religious people as and, and religious people as insecure, ignorant, and even bigoted. Folks, we do not need to take this. We do not need to accept this. The Christian worldview is a thinking person's worldview. If you look at all the worldviews that are competing against the Christian worldview, origin, where do I come from? Meaning, why am I here? Morality, what is the origin of right and wrong? Destiny, where do I go after this life is over? And being, who am I? When you look at those questions and look at those elements that I just shared with you today, from a Christian perspective, it is easy to see that the Christian worldview stands head and shoulders above the rest. As I wrap up our show today, folks, I want you to know that we live in a time where the plates of tectonic ideologies are shifting very, very rapidly. And if you're a Christian and you're listening to Let's Get Real today, It's time for you to get real about what you believe, about what God says, not about a movement and what it says, what the Bible has to say about ethnicity, and go by that standard and that standard alone and not get sucked into a movement and not get sucked into the politics. Our mandate for Christians today should not be what society says. Our mandate today is, what does God say? You've been listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. If you want to know more about a worldview and you've got a student that's 18 to 25 years old, I want to invite you to look at summit.org. Summit.org runs student uh, student conferences on campuses as well as virtual this year. They just started it because of the pandemic, and they've been a step ahead of the game. And my daughter this week will be attending a Summit virtual student conference. Would you pray for her and pray for other students as they gain more information about the Christian worldview and how they can be ambassadors to a secular worldview, to a secular city, a secular society that is going sidewards? Folks, I'm going to tell you that the Christian worldview is not afraid of any challenge or any question. And what we're seeing today with the challenges and the questions today that we're getting, folks, all we need to do is listen and understand that behind every person is a question or an objection. And we need to listen to the heart of the person making that objection And as you go out this week, as you go into the marketplace of ideas, wherever the Lord leads you and directs you, my prayer for you is that you will demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. And as you go out and you start conversing with people, don't be quick to react to what they're saying. Listen to their heart and listen to their their pain 
and listen to how you can empathize with them so that you can bring the answer and the answer to those pains, the answer to that hurt is the Lord Jesus Christ. So as you go out this week, go out and give them heaven and we'll be back with you next week. Lord bless. Mm-hmm.